Hey folks, it's Blamo. I'm Jeremy Kirkland. Look at that, a big old happy intro. It's a little late, but I'm here. I'm here. I'm back from New York. Uh, just got back. Literally, like I don't know, fast, fast enough to get to get on this mic. Um, it was a, uh, you know, I, I will say to to kind of summarize real quick because I bet someone's like, "How was your trip?" Maybe you're saying that. Maybe you're not. Maybe you just want to get to Alinda's episode. I get it. We'll get there. But um, this was probably the most productive, busy trip ever. Um, like every, every time I'm there, I try to see a few folks, I try to get some downtime. And, uh, this time there was no downtime. Um, we were filming a new shop talk for J crew. Um, the, uh, you can put things together, but, um, I was excited cause I made a lot of jokes, um, from stepbrothers about Derek. So you can put that together. It was fun. Nicest person in the world. Um, I recorded four pods. We had dinners. Uh, all the, all these things that just kind of had me all over the place. But I'm grateful to be back in good old St. Louis. Look, by the way, speaking of that, because uh, some of you have really thought that I dog on St. Louis too much. Yeah, I'm talking specifically to the person that gave me feedback because I got some listener feedback, and they're like, "Man, you're too hard on St. Louis." And uh, let me just dive into that. Let me say this: I love St. Louis. I live here. By choice. I love living here, but like anyone who loves something, I hold it to a high standard. It's a standard that I want to improve, you know, and I'm doing my best to do it. So, I mean, there's not a ton to explain, but like, dude, you know, I I make fun of everything. I mean, I make fun of myself, but this is not me just trying to say that, like, I'm going to save the town because the town doesn't need saving, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing my part. Um, I will say that, you know, the style and the clothes of everyone that in St. Louis has uh, there's some there are swaggy people here, but you know we're all we're all doing our best. We're all improving. Okay, food is great. The parks are great, and yeah, yeah, yeah. The zoo is free, so I still love to have fun with this place the same way I did in New York. Speaking of love, you can find me diving into the new LP from my guest this week, Alinda Segura from Hooray for the Riff Raff. We chat about their new album, The Past Is Still Alive getting fits off on the road, too many voice notes, entering the tailored era, the big dope style of Fran Leibowitz, Andre 3000, vibe music, leaning on stressed, oversized western wear, good smelling candles in the clash. It's Alinda Segura. We're back with a new blamo. Let's go. Congratulations on the album. It's really, really, Thank really you. beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. I'm really excited about it. It's like, wait, before we dive in, who, is that the Ronettes behind you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, my queens. Yeah? R.I.P. Ronnie. Oh, yeah, that's right. The original bad girl. I've been really debating getting a tattoo of her on my arm. That's a good idea. You know, but you know, everyone's going to think it's Amy Winehouse, which is like, (laughs) which I, who I also adore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But. I think it would just like make me mad. Yeah. You'd have to get her name on it too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Ronnie in script would look really great. Mm-hmm. You got a yeah. lot of ink, right? I do. I guess depending. It's like, I don't have like sleeves. My best friend is a tattoo artist oh. in New Orleans. So it's just like, I'm very lucky. Yeah. I can text him and be like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, a friend of mine, he uh, he used to give himself tattoos, and he was buddies with a tattoo artist. And they would get lots of, I mean, he'd get all sorts of stuff on him, which would just be like, you know, some, some, I, I imagine he regretted 
but uh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I have I have this thing with tattoos that I have to want it for basically two years before I get it. And nothing Smart. has met the, after a year, I revisit. I'm like, do I still want this thing? And yeah. it's nothing, nothing's cleared it. And so I'm, I don't know. I want to get a sleeve. I want to get totally inked oh, up, cool. but I can't, I can't get past one little thing I have and that's it. You know, know, I've kind of noticed, I think like younger people don't, aren't getting tattoos. Yeah. As much. Okay. That's what I'm kind of noticing. I feel like it's now like rebellious to be like totally bare. That, you know what? I, okay. I agree with that. I think there's a weird sort of, I don't know if it's a Gen Z, you know, whatever thing of this kind of like averse to things that were somewhat rebellious in the past. Like, yeah, get some ink, get whatever you're going to do. And now it's like, you know, it'd be really cool to just conform and to just, (laughs) (laughs) and you're like, well, is it? I don't know. (laughs) But yeah, it's the, the TikTokification, if that's even a word of, you know, even music now, like to talk about that, where people will blow up from songs on TikTok or, yeah, I don't, I'm really, it's, it's interesting the timing of this conversation, especially with the news yesterday of GQ absorbing Pitchfork. And yeah. we can talk a little bit about it because I am very curious because you posted some stuff. It's a sign of the times. It really is. It's like, it's really scary for me because it's like, I don't know. I mean, more and more, I just see musicians being terrified of like, well, how do I stay outspoken? How do I like stay independently minded or just like my messy self while also like having corporate overlords (laughs) in a way that we just like had some freedom from, Mm -hmm. you know, like I've been now, it'll be 10 years since I did my first album on a label. And even just since 2014, Things are so different. Like that was before Spotify. That was before Apple Music. That Mm -hmm. was, I was selling like a lot of CDs, (laughs) you know, like. Yeah. Well, that that is coming back. And it makes you more independent. Really? I hope so. Well, I mean, I think physical media (laughs) is coming back in the sense, one, people are buying records and not listening to it. The fact that. Yeah. I read something yesterday and it was like one of every 12 LPs that were sold last year was a Taylor Swift album. Wow. Yeah. And you're like, well, wait, wow. how many people are listening really? to vinyl? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I I mean, I have records over here, but I have not had a working record player. I don't know. I just got mine set up like last week. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And? But it's, I mean, it's really, I, I'm really happy to be back on it. It mm-hmm. feels way more like I just enjoy the experience more. But yeah, I definitely have noticed. I mean, I think also music fans are now really making the relationship of like, if I buy a record from you at the show, I'm like actually helping you live because musicians are just becoming more open Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. about the realities. And so I think people are just kind of buying it, being like, sure, why not? I'll put money in your gas tank, basically, (laughs) you know. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because there's this, you know, unspoken sort of um, relationship and how people view their relationship with musicians, right? Where mm-hmm. Bandcamp, it would be like, oh, I only buy my music on Fridays and I buy totally. it through Bandcamp because I want to support these artists. But then like there are some people who are like, wow, this person just got this deal with whatever, whether it's like a fashion brand or a song in a commercial. And they're like, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe it's fine if I just rip their music off or something. Because yeah. where it's like... I mean, I wrestle with this as a, as a podcaster because it's kind of like, you know, I'm just kind of this, this, uh, middle ground sort of thing. And a friend of mine who runs a, a, runs a business, 
his like, he, he always would, uh, would say like, people want you to do well, but never better than them. And so. <laughs> Ouch, it's so true. <laughs> so That's it's like, really true. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I assume everyone has good and pure intention. So I'm not, I'm not saying it to just like shit yeah, on yeah, people, yeah. but like, it's interesting with musicians too, to where yeah. all of a sudden someone's posting an Instagram from a tour bus and someone's like, oh, life must be pretty good. Oh, and you're like, no, I'm going into debt on this tour. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, the, I mean, I'm not in a tour bus, but I definitely notice friends who are. And I'm like, I want to be like, can I see your budgets? Like, <laughs> are you coming out like 30K in the hole and that's just OK? Yeah. Or, you know, or I but I have noticed like other people have like really great merch game. It's mm-hmm. like it's such it's a, a part of the job that's becoming more and more important to like be a part of Mm -hmm. the conversation you know and um for me I really struggle with like I have a hyperactive mind in that way where I'm just always worried about survival and like making it a a smart investment and I'm really trying to learn like how do I balance that with also like protecting my creative time and like protecting the time that I can just like be uh, artist or writer and not be like crunching numbers you yeah know? like do, does that affect your songwriting so i'd like to think so far it hasn't but it's affected like well i guess everything affects the songwriting sure. it's definitely affected like my quality of life i feel like i'm finally in a, a better place but like my last record cycle was rough and it it affected like my mental health for sure it was just like i mean also getting back out on the road after covid like Mm. it was just really the first time i had a feeling of like i don't know if i can do this and i'm scared because i don't know how to do anything else and i'm pretty sure this is what i'm supposed to do like with my life Mm -hmm. so it just it it scared me but so far for me it's been a lot about perspective and being like okay what are my actual goals you know Mm -hmm. what what is like my spirit want and that also balances with here on this physical plane (laughs) needing right now yeah i think like for me, I do, I need to make sure I have a lot of like mental space to like learn how to balance the two worlds. Yeah. I mean, cause I, I, I know that's gotta be a challenge, especially, you know, a friend of mine's a musician and, and, you know, I won't name their name, but like they, when they write music, they'll, um, they basically are like, I need to make sure that when I'm writing this, I can perform it just as good live Versus some people mm-hmm. would say, or like, whatever, I'm using every tool at my disposal and then we'll just figure it out when we need to to tour, totally. You know, and it's, I think there's always that interesting sort of, you know, cause it, it sounds like, I mean, I've listened to your record a lot and I mean, it sounds like it's something that seems that you can nail live pretty well. Right. Are you going to be touring with a band? Yeah, it'll be the same, um, like same setup as my last record, mm-hmm. but this one feels really good for one, for many reasons, but for that reason specifically is like, um, I feel like live it's just like me being myself and not really having to depend on a lot of like production stuff or, you know, like gear or stuff that really boggles my mind. It is not what I'm good at. Right. Um, it feels like a just like basics. Like I believe in these songs. I could play them by myself or I could play them with this great band. And we're going to have a night together where we just like share space. It feels way more like sustainable you know for me yeah but i 
I also like being um, like ambitious and I like being like, this kind of scares me. Life <laughs> on Earth as a record like scared me. Um, and I was like, I don't know. I guess we'll just figure it out. Um, but this one feels a little bit just more um, confident going out in the world with. I mean, there was a few tracks that I listened to specifically because I want to pull up my notes. Colossus of Rhodes. Yeah, that's my baby. Can, <laughs> that like, one I, yeah. I got pretty emotional listening to it. Like I'm, I'm very much a headphone, you know, uh-huh. music listener. And so like, I, I don't know, I was, I was like getting emotional and I was like, I got to talk Colossus of Rhodes. Like wow. this feels like a heavier album compared to other stuff, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's been a heavy like time in my life and a heavy time in in the world, you yeah, know, but sure. um my writing, my writing just got coming out of that that really difficult period of like the last couple of years for me of just feeling very lost and very scared about my future um and really really in just suffering from this feeling of like this is what i love to do and I, and yet i'm starting to really hate the the process of it and i'm starting to feel like i wasn't built for it because oh. the the rules keep changing you know um and i think i i took solace in my writing in a way that was really important for me yeah, like where did you compose most of this in New Orleans? You know, a lot of it actually I wrote on the road for the first time. I normally can't write on tour, but we spent a lot of time on tour with Bright Eyes in 2022. Okay. Um opening up for them on multiple runs mm-hmm. and it gave me all this time. When you're the opening act, it's like pretty great gig. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you get to like play 30 minutes and it's early and then you get all this time and you get to watch this like amazing band. And so it gave me a lot of time and also to be able to like listen to Connor's lyrics every night. It really um, was an important time for me. When you're writing music, what's your process like? Is it, you know, voice notes and guitar chords or you just writing lyrics and then you try to make up melodies from it or what? A lot of voice notes. My phone is like, like hundreds (laughs) really yeah and also yeah yeah a lot and then also i'll be like making up chords even though they're obviously will be something but i don't know what it is so then i'll have to like do a voice note that's like this is what you're doing on the guitar because you're not going to remember but a lot of voice notes but colossus was one of the few songs that i've written where I just sat down, it was like, whoa. And it just came out like all in one go. Really? Which is why there's like not really a chorus. <laughs> you know, there's like no bridge, there's no form. Oh, I, but I don't I, even think I realized that. I, I've really started um, to just love songwriting like that. I'm like, we don't really need this anymore. Anything is a song now. Um, so it's been really nice to just like ride the wave and not have to worry about this like structure and form. It's so I'm like a big Beatles dork, like most people. Oh, and yeah. seeing how a lot of the their writing, specifically Paul and John, was the sort of like verse, chorus, verse, two, chorus, middle eight, double chorus, like very formulaic. It makes totally. me wonder what sort of, even when they were like, you know, messing around with drugs and doing all sorts of other weird stuff, like how, why are we so glued to this format? You know, like what is the, what is it about that? that format that people feel like they always have to be, you know, because in most cases, and this is from previous like McCartney stuff, he was like, oh, well, we had to have these songs within this time 
so we could get played on the radio. And he was oh, like, boy. so you basically wrote songs to play for radio. And now the under 3000 record, right? There's, there's music on there, but it's like, because of how we're also experiencing music now, which it's, I have it on while I'm working or I have it totally. on while I'm, so like, you don't have this, you know, I don't, I would be shocked if under 3000 was like, oh yeah, I needed a middle eight for this song. It's like, I just was <laughs> yeah. playing around on this piano. And so like, I'm always like yeah. wondering like, what are the, you know, if there are no rules anymore, like what are the people trying to do to create their art? Like, what is the, I don't know. I think a lot of people are making like vibe music, <laughs> which is like, good, uh, you know, like do your thing. But it does, it's funny because for me, being so lyrically driven, yeah, it's like, for me, my goal is definitely not to like, write a song that people like tune out. Yeah, know? I agree. Or and not even tune out. Like there's a lot of songs that like Andre's record, it's like you can meditate to it. But it's like my whole thing is lyrics and like taking you on a story and like capturing your attention and taking you somewhere. So I get nervous about the culture we're in where I'm just like, I think the goal is to be in the background. <laughs> and like that's not I don't really know how to write like that, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that has been on my mind lately. Well, because even how your stuff's mixed, you know, your your yeah. vocals are front and center to where I don't... Totally. I don't think there was... So, like, they sent me the lyrics of your... But I'm like, I didn't, I didn't need to, to pull them up. Yeah. There, there was no issue of trying to understand what you were saying, which also, you know, I was curious about how much is grief, like, interject itself into your writing? I mean this record it's it's all there which is interesting because you know like it's become like now people know that i recorded this a month after my dad passed away he passed away very suddenly mm. and i had already had most of the record written but you know going into the studio it was like a lot of these reflective songs suddenly had new meaning suddenly carried like a much different weight you know i wrote snake plant first out of all the batch of songs uh -huh. and that has like the whole first verse are like references to me and my dad like spending summers together um and just little lyrics here and there i don't know i think what was interesting for me with the past is still alive is my Older records, I saw myself as a witness to a lot of grief and a person who, um, you know, I'm in community with people that have experienced a lot of grief. So I'd write a song about it or I'd write a song about a tragedy that happened in my world or someone that we lost. And it was always like, oh, I'm kind of this doula or I'm like mm. helping people carry this weight that is very burdensome for them. And and I feel strong enough to carry it, you know, and help them balance it. And now for this record, it was like, can you guys carry some of this for me? Because it felt very, for the first time, like, this is all me. This is, all, there isn't any distance or witnessing. It's like, I'm deep in it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think I'm probably very sensitive to that stuff right now. Like, so, you know, my dad is in the process of like kind of passing my, my, oh, wow. I just lost my grandfather, you know, like two weeks ago, very suddenly. And like, oh, I wow. think so sorry. it's, it's okay. It's, um, but it was there, I think more things that I'm listening to engaging with paying attention to, it's almost like I'm like extra sensitive by it, but yeah. I, I had heard some of your stuff. Um, I mean, cause it, you, 
for for listeners, I mean, you've been making music for a long time. This isn't long, like your first a long time. Yeah, yeah, this isn't your first go around, you know. And um, but it's interesting saying that, like, how you were some of the earlier stuff was you're just channeling other people versus this is was more yourself. Because it, I don't know. As I was listening to this, I was like, it, it was just heavy for me. Um, specifically, yeah. what was the third track? Um, oh, Hawk Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, I don't know. And here's the thing that that could also totally be about something completely unrelated. Where you're like, actually, no, that's about a soda can or something, you know. Or it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I often wonder when any artist, you know, when you think of like painters or any sort of stuff. They make something, it's their own idea. But then like when it's released to the world, these people create their own memories and their own experiences of who they are and what they were when they experienced it, right? When you see someone looking at like Rothko, no one's like, man, I wonder what his financial state was when he made this. But it's just like, this is these colors. What do these colors mean? What do they say to me? And I feel more than ever, I've really been having that sort of relationship with all the music I listen to. So much that Mm -hmm. I've actually kind of tuned out anything that I didn't feel was like challenging me or speaking to me, Yeah, you know? And it's like, I only want like heavy things that can help me process stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, grief has its gifts. Yeah. It's really, it. I've really learned that it'll be a, a year in February um, that I've lost my dad and grief as difficult as it's been it's also given me some gifts in that way of like perception shifting Mm. things becoming like laser focused and so clear all of a sudden just like oh i definitely don't want to do that that sounds terrible i'm not going to do that and then where before it might be cloudy you know Mm -hmm. um and just leaning way more towards art and and like a way to spend my time that feels a lot more like life affirming and even if it's challenging like you're saying like it feels like living you know yeah um that's what's been that's what's been happening for me can you can you give me an example of of like how this has kind of made you evolve i guess a lot of the ways that i spend my time i've i'm a very you know i'm a new yorker so I can be very neurotic and I feel like I was just definitely my mind is more like hyperproductive and very easily stressed or like I lean towards stress Mm. and worrying about the future and worrying about my survival and stuff. And I think it's just become a lot clearer of like quality of time, you know, and, and of course, like with my work and with writing with traveling being like i think i have to learn how to enjoy this or else i'm going to have to do something else because i want to enjoy my life you know that's been a major shift in just like my perception yeah i don't think i ever take time to it sounds so tacky i don't even it's this isn't the right phrase but like to like live in the moment or you know like so oh, much totally. of any good thing that ever happens to me i'll always question it and i'm like well See, I didn't really deserve that because this and this happened. So basically these people felt sorry for me and that's why this was going on. So so let me just move on. And then like I'm this constant ball of anxiety with, you know, financial things to, um, you know, children. I'm always like, man, climate change 
and these the poli- and the politics are going on. Like, what are my kids going to do? I'm like, oh my god, what are they? You know. And then a part of me is like, but they're fine right now. They all they slept good yeah. last night. They're in their bed. Yeah. And it's like, but then when I try to enjoy that time, and I say this because I'm curious how you feel. Where like I'm like, okay, is it is it fair for me? to be calm and enjoy this time when I know other people aren't, you know, when you think about what's going on in Gaza and stuff like that. And so it's like, well, can I even, can I even like project this that I'm okay and that I'm happy when I know other people are suffering? And I feel like that's, you know, which is why I kind of end up just putting headphones on and listening to music. Cause I, I, I have to have someone else communicate these things for me. Yeah. It's extremely confusing considering that like for the first time in our lifetimes like now we're all broadcasting our lives everyone is so it's like of course we're confused we're like i'm happy is that bad am i hurting anyone with i'm i'm having a good day like yeah and i think there's a difference at i'm at a place where i'm like there's a difference between like we all deserve to enjoy our lives like they're not going to last forever and there's a difference between that and um and just like taking a lot taking and not giving or taking and not caring about other people or like the f- the future of our world you know um i personally really don't think that it's i don't think it's necessary to care to to um like suffer in order to like be a good person and like care and be engaged in our world. I think that um, more and more I'm leaning towards having deep relationship with people around me. Yeah. And like really um, just and trying to be as present as I can. I feel like it just makes me like a less harmful human in the world, you know? Right. Um, I had this experience like I don't do any drugs, but like it was like closest thing I had to like a psychedelic experience. Okay. Where um I was at this festival um called Pickathon outside of Portland. And it's a really cool festival and it's like very far out and people play at like two in the morning. It's kind of like European in that way. Oh wow. And it's a lot of like avant-garde jazz and like current jazz like legends and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I was watching Sons of Kemet play who I never heard of until that festival. And they were just like mind blowing. And I had this really intense experience where I was like, these people have dedicated so much time to learning music Mm. and to in, you know, digesting it. And so they can express through it. And I was just like really struck by, wow, that is such a peaceful way to be a human on the planet because other humans like, spend their time figuring out how to like export or like, you know, extract resources (laughs) and like destroy stuff. And it really, it struck me that I was like, this is a really beautiful way to be a human. Like they're spending all this time, this band is spending their time dedicating to like to this practice and this um, craft. And I was like, that's a huge choice. That's a lot of time, you know, like it could go a a different way. So, um, I don't know. I've been like thinking back on that moment a lot and being like, I think we also need to be easier on ourselves of like, um, not being harmful is really important. <laughs> yeah. Know? Wait, wait, ho- hold on a second. Okay. Before you send that DM or text that friend, I know what you're thinking. You're ready to buy your first serious watch or in other cases, maybe your fourth or your fifth, but look, man, it's hard out there. It really is. 
from this dealer or that store that wants the purchase history or whatever. I mean, you're just, I don't know, you're almost ready to walk away from the whole game. But fear not, my friends. Check out Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. With over 18,000 watches listed right now, as of the time I'm recording this, from a mix of professional dealers to private sellers, you're just going to find what you're looking for. But wait, wait, I know. You're like, Jeremy, I'm sorry. They don't have that X Rolex or that insane Omega. Well, reach out to them. Bezel has a real team of real people. Just create an account and be connected with a private client advisor, and they will guide you through the entire process every step. Once you decide on your watch, it's overnighted to Bezel HQ where their in-house team of experts authenticate it, and then it's on your way to you. If anything is amiss, the watch is not listed correctly, whatever it is, they'll let you know, the buyer know, and the offer to refund you, or source you a new one at a similar price. (laughs) That's pretty good, right? This has been part of the Bezel ethos since launch. I've even spoke to the founders about it. And now, you can make an offer on a watch, buy it outright, or bid it at auction. Bezel is the highest rated watch marketplace out there. Even Trustpilot shows Bezel is 4.9 out of 5 stars with rave reviews. Okay, okay, you're still on the fence? Dig into the Blamo feed yourself and listen to my chat with the Bezel co-founders and, well, see for yourself. But you got this. I believe in you. Visit GetBezel.com and buy and sell your next luxury watch. That's GetBezel.com. GetBezel.com. I mean, trying to find more ways to just, you know, to just like be grateful for the art that's out there where yeah. I feel like this is a thing, especially now in music in general, to where I, and this is maybe the only pro of streaming services for me mm-hmm. is all of a sudden I'm listening to, you know, for Hooray for the Riff Raff or I'm listening to, you know, Bach and I get to have the same emotion attached at the, you know, at the same time. Like I, yeah. I, I don't have to like change how I'm, you know, viewing and experimenting with this stuff where there's, you know, I get to listen to you at the same time as I'm like understanding Mozart all of a sudden. Wow. Cool. You know, and it's, and it's like this weird appreciation that you get where a part of me is like, like, why, why did it take me so long to get more into jazz or to get more into classical or to get more into these things? Cause you hear these like beautiful chord progressions and these harmonies and all these things that you recognize, you know, when people think of like Blackbird, right? Like that was, uh-huh. I think, I think it's a Bach, you know? Um, well, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, McCartney has talked about it too. Where he's like, Oh, like there were, there was this it was Bach or somebody, someone's going to correct me or whatever. But he's like, we would do this exercise and then we started changing it. And then, you know, he's uh, like, so we would do, you know, and then Blackbird came from this, but you're like, oh, all this stuff kind of complements itself. And you get these moments of viewing these people that are just like making their art and enjoying it. And it kind of helps me when, you know, you're like, what did I do today? Well, I made some kids breakfast and I loaded a dishwasher. <laughs> like, but at the same time, like... <laughs> That's like a beautiful thing, you know? Sure, like yeah, dishwashers are great. Making, <laughs> I mean, making children breakfast, it's like they're the future, you know? Yeah, we'll see. I'll let you know if these kids are the future. They're they're fine. They do like to yeah. dance, but it's funny because I'm trying to – my daughter loves the music of Gabby's Dollhouse, which is this kid's show on Netflix. Okay. It's actually a really good show. I mean, there's a lot of trash oh, cool. TV for kids. I want to be very clear. There's so much garbage. 
But oh, this is. I mean, I had it good. I feel like. I think yeah, we I had did. Hey Arnold, like. Okay, so you you was, had yeah you had the Nicktoons. I think we're around yeah. the same age. I'm 38, but like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, like watching things like Doug and Mr. Doug Rogers and the Beats. The Beats. I need more allowance. Yeah. Killer tofu. (laughs) I like saying I need more allowance often. Yeah. (laughs) I sing that a lot. It's also funny, like to to jump on the clothes stuff where you're seeing a lot of people from that era are obviously now of the age where they're further in their careers. And so you're witnessing people that like loved Nicktoons designing clothing collections now. When people are like, oh yeah, this this had a very Doug funny moment down the <laughs> runway and i'm like what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> hilarious um you kind of embody the uh at least on this on this album you have a lot of sort of western vibes on it yeah and i don't did you watch uh pharrell's recent louis vuitton collection that was oh like my the God, other day I didn't well it's all cowboy it's all western it's oh, all cowboy cowgirl see that. whatever yeah it's all in there and yeah, I'm, I'm curious about that. Cause I feel like, like when you, when you were like getting into Western stuff, like how intentional is this? Or is this just like, I found a cowboy hat? You know, it's funny because I've been like steering away from like the, like very strict Americana genre for a while. But, um, but I, with this record, I like wanted to just like play again, you know, and I felt like I had done enough exploring and like kind of like proving myself to be interested in all sorts of genres and things Mm -hmm. and um, that I felt like I was comfortable enough with like bringing in those elements. But really what I was mostly obsessing over was like James Dean in a cowboy hat. I was really obsessing over like, I I forget the name of the of the movie that he was in, but I had like all of these kind of behind the scenes giant is probably what you yes. mean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, of him like learning to lasso and like, yeah. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So I was really in the mood board that I sent to Tommy, the photographer for like this album. It was a lot of that. And it was a lot of river Phoenix. It was a lot of like, not just straight up Western, a lot of like, let's mess with like archetypes, like American kind of like, you know, wanderer archetypes, like people who are like heading out West to find something and are like drifting through town. Mm -hmm. So a lot of like playing with those characters and like those images but then the the stylist um elizabeth who is amazing she was like well i also found this rental donny osmond suit that might fit you perfectly so do you want to try this on and i did and it we were like the same me and donny osmond at one point in his life the exact same size (laughs) that's that's pretty Um, incredible so the suit on the cover that's the donny osmond vibe yeah, the the suit and like it's a lot of the promo pictures. It's the orange suit. It yeah, that's that was at one point Donny Osmond's. She like rented it from a place in LA or something, which the, I think is hilarious. <laughs> that's amazing. I how did yeah. his clothes get there? I always wonder that. I don't know. Yeah. I know. And it probably was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would <laughs> I'm assume. imagining. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I had I don't know, I had a lot of fun with just like I like to transform myself or like see myself as, you know, a blank slate sometimes or like see myself as being able to transform in front of people and like take these references that are floating around in my head and be like, I feel like I can embody that somehow 
even if some like explaining it, someone might be like, I don't see it. Like, give me a second. I think I can do this, you know? Well, it's, um, it seems like it leaks in with your day to day. I mean, you're wearing a, what looks like a pinstripe uh, yeah. vest right now. Yeah, I have. a. I think like Patty Smith is my biggest, my biggest fashion icon, you know? Yeah. I'm really, I like re- just discovered the, it's like a foolproof like combination of like, oh, I just wear a big white button down shirt and then everything's okay. <laughs> I mean, I, it's very hard to go wrong with button downs and like over, like anything kind of oversized. I'm kind of air quoting, you know, like, yeah. like a big Oxford or a big pair yeah. of pants. I think especially if you're wearing things that were like traditionally assigned to like men or women yeah. and then kind of re you know, reinterpreting them where it's like a very, very large pair of pants, which is cinched really tight with a with an oversized belt that then gets, you know, tightened really tight and then kind of like wrapped into itself. Um, yeah. There's this kind of like, is bohemian pejorative? Is that a not good word? I don't know. I was going to say get... like a bohemian vibe. I don't know if that's... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nomadic vibes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I... And like, that's something that kind of unlocked with me too. I think that style and just dressing yourself. I mean, honestly, for me, I just, it was so painful for me for so long. I'd just be like, I don't know what to wear. I don't know how to do this. I felt like a little kid that was trying to dress like an adult. I have a whole thing too, because of my past of like, being like a crusty train riding, like vagabond person that I'm just like, I I was feeling very like, how do people do this? I feel like I'm being domesticated and I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And um, I don't know, something happened in the past couple of years where I was like, it's become a little bit more fun or a little bit less stressful, you know? What do you think changed? Confidence? Income? Uh, I think confidence for sure. Okay. And not even necessarily income, but like I stopped like also shifting more towards stuff that's like traditionally for guys mm-hmm. was a huge unlocking for my brain mm. because a lot of clothes for women like sold towards women, I just think are trash. <laughs> it's just like made of plastic and it's like so expensive yeah. and it like the silhouettes just made me feel insane. It gave me like body dysmorphia. I'd be like, why am I shaped like this? I don't want to be, sh-, you know, like, um, so I think leaning more towards like men's clothes or, or just stuff that's like simple and, um, you know, who is a huge inspiration too is Fran Lebowitz. That was like, yeah. oh my God, there it is. Like, you know, um, the cowboy boot with the like men's button down shirt and like jeans. I'm like, you can't go wrong with this cool ass look. Yeah. Fran wears, um, her tailor is, uh, Anderson Shepard. So when you're in London mm. and uh, of Anderson Shepard, she listens to this. Hey. Yeah. Well, well we got to get, we got to get you linked up with uh, the Anderson Shepard crew. You can get the, the classic British, you know, fully structured sort of extended shoulder. That's all Fran Leibowitz, all of her sport coats are Anderson Shepard. Yeah. I just learned from like seeing photos of her, like, oh, wait, I think kind of like with Patty, Mm -hmm. it kind of opens a doorway in your brain where you're like, oh, I think I could feel powerful in that. And I can feel comfortable and can feel also like put together and um, 
Yeah, but I'd love that because as of now, I'm doing a lot of like, you know, searching thrift stores and like the real, real and just I'm still a little bit like lost in the woods. Um, I don't know. I love when it stops being like that when there stops being like this suffering around dressing yourself, it just like becomes a part of like for me enjoying my time here, you know, Mm -hmm. and not like denying myself like I mean, I think with grief, a weird thing started happening where I was like, it's really important to me that things smell good. I think because it's like linked with memory so much. It is. Scent is the most powerful memory trigger. Yeah. And I've allowed myself like beautiful smells. And I like, when I was in Paris, I went to the um, Bouli, um, like perfumery. Okay. And it just like having this beautiful French perfume, you know, it for me, I'm like, wow, this just it does inform my writing. It makes me feel like I'm worth, you know, this like experience and um, makes me feel more like alive and more present. My, so scent for me is like the most important thing for my environment at all times. Like I, it's one of the few things that I could be the most destitute broke I've ever been, but I will find every penny possible to get the perfume that I wear. Like, there's certain candles that we like to have in the house. I mean, this is so embarrassing, but like, whatever, that's the point of the show. I've mentioned this before. It is an Italian perfumery, and she does the official scents for the Vatican. And it's very, very, very affordable. Wow. Yeah. It's, what? um, yeah. It's, es- I don't know how to say it. It's like Essenzalmente Laura. Well, you Basically gotta like, send me that. Yeah, I will send it's it's so good. It's like you can you can call them or go on their website and order it. And uh like this is not an ad, but it's you know, like it's just a person. You know, it's not like this Shopify sort wow. of experience. You're you're like calling them and they're like, pronto, you know, and you're like, uh, I'm trying to get and they're like, Oh, English. Okay, what do you like? What do you want? You know, <laughs> it's but oh it's my uh God, this is awesome. It's so good. They have these diffusers, which is like this oil diffuser, and so we have that upstairs. And then they have this other stuff that smells, one of the Vatican scents, it smells like an old church. I mean, it smells like a, like, have you ever been to like a basement where it's like, there's a lot of humidity in here and it's old Uh stone, uh but it smells kind of good. They have that scent. It's, oh, it's incredible. It's so good. Well, so interesting. (laughs) Like when I was a kid, we used to do um, Christmas mass. I was like really the only church I ever went to. Oh, nice. Yeah. Was like midnight mass. Um, And those smells really stuck with me. Right. You know? Yeah. Wow. This is actually a good, you know, somebody who got me really into candles is Brad, the the guy who produced this record. Oh, yeah. Big into candles. Okay. (laughs) And just like also big into smell too. Like his, you know, recording with him, you're going to be smelling like a ton of like wonderful things. And um, (laughs) so, yeah, I mean, he got me on the the cannabis candles too. Oh, interesting. um, Malin and Go at. I don't know how to. Yeah, say it's it. like people have said like Malin and goats. I've heard people say Malin yeah. and gets. I I think it's fine. Whatever, tomato, yeah, tomato. Yeah, yeah. But the cannabis one is huge for me. Yeah, it's been yeah. nuts. Where I'm like, why did I just pay eighty dollars for a candle? And then you like light it, and you're like, oh yeah, that's why. <laughs> totally. I know. I really also I smelled the pasta water one from. Um, Wait, what? From Who the DSM Durga, I think it is. That's and incredible. We were all. We like this also not an ad, but everyone in the studio smelled it 
And we all were like, crazy. We, we love it. But what? We never knew. We were all just like giving it like rave reviews. Yeah, I had the, it's funny. I had the DS and Durga. I think it's called Portable Fireplace. I oh, had it wow. in my car. But here's the thing. It's, you had to hang the, the air freshener from your rear view mirror. And I'm like, I don't want to drive around my car with a big swinging piece of cardboard. Totally. You know, it's like in Beethoven when, you know, what's his face? Charles Grodin runs a runs an air freshener company. He's like, you just stick it to the to the visor. But I don't know. I was like super, but it's, I don't know. It smells really good. I think I paid $30 for a car air freshener, like an idiot, but I love it. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, scent is my, so my daughter, every time I go out of town, I go to New York like once a month. We used to live there for a long time. And um, um, my wife will give Harriet, my daughter, like one of my shirts and she'll spray it with my perfume so she can go to sleep because oh, my daughter will be wow. like, dad's not here or whatever. Yeah. So like it's it's just in the fam. We're we're all obsessed with with scent. I don't, I don't know what the deal is, but it's definitely very memory triggering. Yeah. Um, yeah. For me with my dad, like he used to use like Florida water. You know, my dad was like, a cool old school like dude you know <laughs> um so a lot of smells like that that like were definitely not expensive you know yeah it's like drugstore stuff yeah yeah or like shit that you get at like the botanica or something that like are a little witchy because we're puerto rican it's like oh and this brings money or like whatever you <laughs> sure, know yeah 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 um, so I have like those types of smells connected with him. Yeah. Like yeah. rose water is a strong one. Um, oh, yeah. you could buy those when I, I mean, when I lived in, I lived like in, in Harlem for a long time and we would go to this, I guess it was like Puerto Rican, but it was definitely like a Latin American, Latinx, whatever sort of convenience store. And they, you could uh -huh. buy these like tubs of like jugs of rose water. Wow. Yeah. And I would pour, I mean, this is when I was. I don't know. I don't know what the hell I was doing, but I would pour it in my iron. And so when I iron my clothes, wow. yeah, well, my grandpa Whoa, used to do it. Oh, your next level. Yeah, I Damn. mean, yeah, you're talking, yeah, this is. Uh, I'm yeah. taking notes. <laughs> I like just learned to iron my clothes. <laughs> Ironing's fun. It's very, um, I don't know. It's very cathartic. It's very, uh, it's, and I don't know. It's, it's kind of nice to iron things that take a long time to do something very simple, like take a wrinkle out. And it's like, I just spent a yeah. half hour fixing a shirt collar. I don't, I don't know. It's like a Zen thing. For sure. Yeah. There's, there's weird stuff to it, but I don't know. It's all connected. All this sort of like environmental ambience sort of thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. That being said, what are some of your, your favorite albums to listen to, like to put yourself in a good mood? Like you're, you're going to, you're going to probably do some driving soon. So what okay, do you, yeah, what do you yeah, have yeah. queued up? Um, well, I always have like a pump up song with New Order. Age of Consent is like definitely my pump up song. Okay. Yep. It always makes me feel like, okay, we're getting ready for the show. Yeah. And also Radio Clash by The Clash. The Clash yeah. in general make me feel very like, that's like my, I'm going to go out into the world and I want to feel like, I don't know. I just feel like Joe Strummer will like have my back or something, you know? Yeah, fair. Um, and then, of course, for driving, it's like Lucinda Williams is always my go-to. A lot of people that can get lost in the lyrics. So also Kendrick Lamar. Like, okay, I I just adore him. <laughs> I just think he's like 
I mean, obviously he's a genius, but I love getting lost in his lyrics. How do you, so, so when you, I mean, I sound really stupid saying this, so I'm going to admit it, but like, are you reading his lyrics when you listen along? Cause like my brain can't process it that fast. Yeah. I've noticed that everybody hears different things. Like what's funny for me is like, I hear only lyrics for not only, but they'll be like way up in the mix in my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't think about what the beat was doing. Oh. I like won't notice like rhythm really at all, yeah. except for in the way that it's being sung or spoken. Um, so yeah, I kind of like see it in my head. I just like hyper focus on lyrics, but sometimes I have like looked up what he said because it'll be really fast. Yeah. I got into that but. with Dylan because I never really knew what he was saying. And everyone's like, Dylan's such a good lyricist. And I'm like, well, how do you even understand this? And it like hit me a few years ago to, wh- to where I literally yeah. just bought a book of his lyrics and was like reading along while I was listening. Oh, totally. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I, I still want to go to, I think he has a museum now. I mean. I just went. Are you Okay. Tell me. I went in Tulsa because we played oh, a Tulsa. gig in Tulsa. Okay. Yeah. Which is so like sure. not what you expected. But yeah. <laughs> Um, we played a gig in Tulsa and it was great. It was through the Dylan Museum. Okay. And they let me have a free like tour. Okay. And then down the block is the Woody Guthrie Museum. And these two guys were like my guys for a good chunk of my life. Like yeah. only kind of like only thought about Dylan and Woody Guthrie and Neil Young. You know, like that's yeah. all I thought about. <laughs> Um, so going there was so exciting. What's your, what's your Dylan record? I mean, I love blood on the tracks when you, when you were talking about a record that sparks like a time in your life and like shifting, changing for me, it's blood on the tracks. I always feel like it's like fall. I, Mm. it's not a particular moment, but it's like, it always feels like a changing time. And I have like a body memory of, of taking in that record for the first time. Yeah. The, uh, I never put it together. There was, a, I was reading an interview with Jacob Dylan, Bob mm-hmm. Dylan's son, and they were asking him about, you know, which I feel like is kind of dumb, but they were asking about, you know, his dad's music. And they're like, what do you think of Blood on the Tracks? And he's like, it's my parents fighting. And I was like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> ouch. Yeah, he's like, idiot wind. Yeah. Too close to home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally. And I was like, oh, um, no. I was like, that's really so- intense. But it's it gave me a total different understanding. Because New Morning is probably my favorite Dylan album. I love New yeah. Morning. I love Day of the Locust. I mean, so that's like the thing about Dylan and the Beatles is like, you know, it's really difficult for me to say like my favorite thing because it's just like different chapters of my life. Like Highway 61 took up a lot of my time for a while. And then, of course, like the original obsession of like his very folky Greenwich Village revival era was just like so important to me. And I like make a reference to I was young when I left home, like one of his, that's like one of his B-sides on Snake Plant, but I'm definitely a big Dylan head for sure. Yeah. That's, I got to go to that museum. I heard there's just some cool stuff. It's really fun. Yeah. And the Woody Guthrie one rolls too. Have you tried to write lyrics the way some of those dudes did into which like you just wrote it down with your hand or are you like writing lyrics with voice notes or what? I like to do both. I find that like the voice notes thing just like comes to me 
like more like easily but Mm -hmm. what i'll do what i when i like am writing it out a lot of like phrases come to mind Mm. or like definitely titles like song titles and album titles oh wow come to me when i'm writing by hand and that really affects my writing because it's like i feel like it's like i get um a message or it's like the name of a it feels like a you know like i have to find a way to get there so if it it'll like shift everything for me it'll be like you know the past is still alive came to me and then i'm like what does that mean how yeah. do i get there and then the rest of the writing it'll just like linger around and it'll kind of like map me somewhere that's that's great it's especially considering you know i've talked to some musicians and i'll be like oh what about this and like i don't know it's just a I saw it on a bathroom wall and I, and I was like, oh, okay, well, that's kind of a letdown. Like, All right, it's <laughs> at fine. At least, like, make something up, yeah. at least. <laughs> yeah, like, when you read that, like, so many Beatles albums or songs, they're like, I don't know, it just rhymed, you know? Like, on... Or, uh, like... Yeah. My favorite is when John was just like, I wanted to sing the same gobbledygook that, like, that Dylan was saying. Like, he got to say a bunch of nonsense shit. Why can't I? Yeah. You know, just like saying random things yeah that to us are like profound messages yeah it's like you would be writing a gospel <laughs> if you didn't realize it but yeah yeah uh well alinda thank you thank you so much for chatting with me um thank you for having me yeah no i had a great time good it was a pleasure yeah you too You've been listening to Blamo. Our show is produced by Blamo Media. We're edited by Amar Lowell and our theme music, as always, by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, you know the drill. Share the pod with a friend. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars or thumbs up on whatever other thing you're listening to us on, whether it's Dingledorp or Bing Bong, whatever it's called. But you can also follow us on Instagram for all the hot content. If you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least, super ultra important. If I had an air horn, I would press it right now. You got to come and join us over on Patreon because the fun never stops over there. Look, the, the, the live show, the, the, the free show, whatever you want to call this, we take breaks here and there. But Patreon, it never stops. And we also got exclusive shows like Die Workwear, hosted by Derek Guy and Peter Zatolo, and The Triple J Show, hosted by yours truly with uh, John Moy and Gene Noyan. There's, there's just a ton of stuff over there. So check it out at patreon.com forward slash blamo. If not, no worries. We got hundreds and hundreds of free episodes in the feed and uh, more to come. So we will see you all soon. 